Some years ago, as our youngest son Clark was approaching his 12th birthday, he and I were leaving the church administration building when President Harold B. Lee approached and greeted us. I mentioned to President Lee that Clark would soon be 12, whereupon President Lee turned to him and asked, What happens to you when you turn 12? This was one of those times when a father prays <laughs> that a son will be inspired to give the proper response. Clark, without hesitation, said to President Lee, I will be ordained a deacon. The answer was the one for which I had prayed and which President Lee had sought. He then counseled our son, Remember, it is a great blessing to hold the priesthood. I hope with all my heart and soul that every young man who receives the priesthood will honor that priesthood and be true to the trust which is conveyed when it is conferred. May each of us who holds the priesthood of God know what he believes. As the Apostle Peter admonished, may we ever be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you. There will be occasions in each of our lives when we will be called upon to explain or to defend our beliefs. When the time for performance arrives, the time for preparation is past. Most of you young men will have the opportunity to share your testimonies when you serve as missionaries throughout the world. Prepare now for that wonderful privilege. I have experienced many opportunities. One occurred 21 years ago, prior to the time when the German Democratic Republic, or East Germany as it was more commonly known, was freed from Communist rule. I was visiting with the East German State Secretary, Minister Gysi. At that time, our temple at Freiburg in East Germany was under construction, along with two or three meeting houses. Minister Gysi and I visited on a number of subjects, including our worldwide building program. He then asked, Why is your Church so wealthy that you can afford to build buildings in our country throughout the world? How do you get your money? I answered that the Church is not wealthy, but that we follow the ancient biblical principle of tithing, which principle is re-emphasized in our modern scripture. I explained also that our Church has no paid ministry and indicated that these were two reasons why we are able to build the buildings then underway, including the beautiful temple at Freiburg. Minister Gysi was most impressed with the information I presented, and I was very grateful I was able to answer his questions. Are you ready, brethren? They will come to you. The opportunity to declare a truth may come when we least expect it. Let us be prepared. On one occasion, President David O. McKay was asked by a man, not a member of the Church, what specific belief set apart the teachings of the Church from those of any other faith. In speaking of this later, 
President McKay indicated that he had felt impressed to answer that which differentiates the beliefs of my Church from those of others is divine authority by direct revelation. Where could we find a more significant example of divine authority by direct revelation than in the events which occurred that beautiful clear day early in the spring of 1820 when the lad Joseph Smith retired to the woods to pray. His words describing that moment in history are overpowering. I saw two personages whose brightness and glory defy all description standing above me in the air. One of them spake unto me, calling me by name, and said, pointing to the other, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. Our thoughts turn to the visit of that heavenly messenger, John the Baptist, on May 15, 1829. There on the bank of the Susquehanna River near Harmony, Pennsylvania, John laid his hands upon Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery and ordained them, saying, Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys of the ministering of angels and of the gospel of repentance and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. The messenger announced that he acted under the direction of Peter, James, and John, who held the keys of the Melchizedek priesthood. Ordination and baptism followed. This is yet another example of divine authority by direct revelation. In due time, Peter, James, and John were sent to bestow the blessings of the Melchizedek priesthood. These apostles, sent by the Lord, ordained and confirmed Joseph and Oliver to be apostles and special witnesses of his name. Divine authority by direct revelation characterized this sacred visitation. As a result of these experiences, all of us carry the requirement, even the blessed opportunity and solemn duty, to be true to the trust we have received. President Brigham Young declared, The priesthood of the Son of God is the law by which the worlds are, were, and will continue forever and ever. President Joseph F. Smith, expanding on this theme, advised, It is nothing more nor less than the power of God delegated to man by which men can act in the earth for the salvation of the human family. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and act legitimately, not assuming that authority, not borrowing it from generations that are dead and gone, but authority that has been given in this day in which we live by ministering angels and spirits from above, direct from the presence of Almighty God. Let me interject here for a moment 
an experience I had with regard to the authority of the Aaronic priesthood. When I was 17 and almost 18, time for me to enter military service, I was to be ordained an elder, and I went to my stake president for an interview. We feared that interview. Our stake president, Paul C. Child, was a scriptorian. He had just one problem. He felt that every young man should also be a scriptorian. And when I telephoned him to make an appointment for an interview, he said, What time may you come? And I said, Well, I thought ahead of time when his sacrament meeting began, and I didn't want too long of a time with him. I said, How about three o'clock, present child? He said, Oh, no, that would not give us time to pursue the scriptures. Could you come at one o'clock in the afternoon and bring your personal set of scriptures with you? My, what a challenge. I prayed before I went, and when I arrived, the room was quiet, like a city library, where the clock goes by and you can hear every tick, tick, tick. And then he asked to see my scriptures. I handed the triple combination to him, and he looked at it. Well read, well read. And I could have said, well perused, <laughs> well perused. And then he said, you hold the erotic priesthood. You know, I knew that. And then he said this. Have you ever had an angel minister to you, Brother Monson? I said, I'm not sure. And then he said quickly, Recite from memory the 13th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of the Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys to the ministering of angels. Stop, he said. Never again forget that through the Aaronic priesthood you hold, it is the key of the ministering of angels. Continued the passage, and I did, Gospel of Repentance and Baptism by Immersion for the Remission of Sins. He said, Splendid, splendid. And then he took me through about five other sections of the Doctrine and Covenants. He liked the 20th section. He liked the 4th on missionary work, 20th on government, and then my favorite and his. I knew that ahead of time. The 76th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. Oh, that's a beautiful scripture. And I had that one by memory. And then he took me into the 84th section and the 88th section and the 107th section. It was a long interview. And then he said, You passed. <laughs> and you will now be ordained an elder. What a beautiful saying. What a beautiful thought to remember. And he gave me a nice smile, put his arm around me, and said, Remember, the Lord blesses the person who serves him. That same man, later in life, became a mission president, adjacent to the very mission where I was a mission president. And we had a wonderful 
wonderful association. One time when I went to a state conference, he was the welfare representative, and it was his turn to speak. And he winked at me, and then he took his scriptures. He went down in the audience. I knew what he was going to do. No one else did. And he quoted from the early sections of the Doctrine and Covenants concerning the worth of a soul, indicating that if we should labor all our days and bring a soul unto him, how great would be our joy with that soul in the kingdom of our Father. And if we should labor diligently and bring many souls unto him, how much greater would be our joy. And then like a cat springing on a mouse, he said, You, President of the Third Quorum of Elders, stand and tell me what is the worth of a human soul. That happened to be the Elders Quorum President in our ward. He had no more idea than fly how to answer that question. He just sat there, sat there and said, Me? You. I don't know if you ever saw that uh, show Music Man, where Professor Harold Hill taught music by the Think System. I tried it. I looked at that dear brother, who had before been my, and later my elders corps president, and I said to myself, don't let him get you. Don't let him get you. Heavenly Father, help him. And that man rose above his own intelligence. And he said, Brother Child, the worth of a soul is its capacity to become as God. Brother Child closed his scripture, walked solemnly, quietly up the aisle. He passed by me and said, A solemn reply, a solemn reply. And I almost said, the think system works. <laughs> but I didn't. Well, we had to know the oath and covenant of the priesthood because it pertains to all of us. To those who hold the Melchizedek priesthood, it is a declaration of our requirement to be faithful and obedient to the laws of God and to magnify the callings which come to us. To those who hold the Aaronic priesthood, it is a pronouncement concerning future duty and responsibility that they may prepare themselves here and now. This oath and covenant is set forth by the Lord in these words, For whoso is faithful unto the obtaining these two priesthoods of which I have spoken and the magnifying of their calling, are sanctified by the Spirit unto the renewing of their bodies. They become the sons of Moses and of Aaron and the seed of Abraham and the Church and Kingdom and the elect of God. And also they who receive this priesthood receive me, saith the Lord. For he that receiveth my servants receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth my Father, and he that receiveth my Father 
receiveth my Father's kingdom. Therefore all that my Father hath shall be given unto him. The late Elder Delbert L. Stapley of the Quorum of the Twelve once observed, There are two main requirements of this oath and covenant. First is faithfulness, which denotes obedience to the laws of God and connotes true observance of all gospel standards. The second requirement is to magnify one's calling. To magnify is to honor, to exalt, and glorify, and cause to be held in greater esteem or respect. It also means to increase the importance of, to enlarge and make greater. The Prophet Joseph Smith was once asked, Brother Joseph, you frequently urge that we magnify our callings. What does this mean? He is said to have replied, To magnify a calling is to hold it up in dignity and importance, that the light of heaven may shine through one's performance to the gaze of other men. An elder magnifies his calling when he learns what his duties as an elder are and then performs them. Those who bear the Aaronic priesthood should be given opportunity to magnify their callings in that priesthood. One Sunday, almost a year ago, I was attending sacrament meeting in my ward. That's a rarity. There were three priests at the sacrament table, with a young man in the center being somewhat handicapped in movement, but particularly so in speech. He tried twice to bless the bread, but stumbled badly each time, no doubt embarrassed by his inability to give the prayer perfectly. One of the other priests then took over and gave the blessing on the bread. During the passing of the bread, I thought to myself, I just can't let that young man experience failure at the sacrament table. I had a strong feeling that if I did not doubt, he would be able to bless the water effectively. Inasmuch as I was on the stand near the sacrament table, I leaned over and said to the priest closest to me, pointing to the young man who had experienced the difficulty, Let him bless the water. It's a shorter prayer. <laughs> and then I prayed. I didn't want a double failure. But I love that passage concerning doubt. We should not doubt, but believe. When it was time to bless the water, that young man knelt again and gave the prayer, perhaps somewhat haltingly, but without missing a word. I rejoiced silently while the deacons were passing the trays. I looked over at the boy and gave him a thumbs up. He gave me a broad smile. When the young men were excused to sit with their families, he went back and sat on the row between his mother and father. What a joy it was to see his mother give him a big smile and a warm hug 
while his father congratulated him and put his arm around his shoulder. All three of them looked in my direction, and I gave them all two thumbs up. (laughs) I could see the mother and father wiping tears from their eyes. I felt impressed. This young man would do just fine in the future. The priesthood is not really so much a gift as it is a commission to serve, a privilege to lift, and an opportunity to bless the lives of others. Not long ago, I received a letter concerning a choice young deacon, Isaac Ryder, and the deacon's teachers and priests who served, lifted, and blessed his life and their own lives. Isaac fought cancer from the time he was seven months old until his death at age 13, when he and his family moved to a home near a hospital so that Isaac could receive proper medical attention. The ironic priesthood members in the nearby ward were asked to provide the sacrament to them. Each Sunday, this weekly ordinance became a favorite of the ironic priesthood holders who participated. Along with their leaders and Isaac's family, they would gather around Isaac's hospital bed, sing hymns, and share testimonies. Then the sacrament would be blessed. Isaac always insisted that as a deacon he passed the sacrament to his family and to those who had brought it. As he lay in his bed, he gathered the strength to hold a plate of either the blessed bread or water. All present would come to Isaac and partake of the sacrament from the plate. Nurses and other medical staff soon began to participate in the meeting as they realized that Isaac was close to his Heavenly Father and always honored him. Though weak and in pain, Isaac always held himself with the honor of someone holding a royal priesthood. Isaac was a great example to the young men in the ward. They saw his desire to fulfill his duties, even on his deathbed. And they realized that those duties were really privileges. They began showing up earlier in order to prepare the sacrament and to be in their seats on time. There was more reverence. Isaac Ryder became a living sermon concerning honoring the priesthood. At his funeral, it was said that throughout his life he had one foot in heaven. No doubt he continues to magnify his duties and assist in the work beyond the veil. For those of us who hold the Melchizedek priesthood, our privilege to magnify our callings is ever-present. We are shepherds watching over Israel. The hungry sheep do look up, ready to be fed the bread of life. Are we prepared, brethren, to feed the flock of God? It is imperative that we recognize the worth of a human soul, that we never give up on one of His precious sons. Should there be anyone who feels he is too weak to do better because that greatest of fears, the fear of failure, there is no more comforting assurance to be had than the words of the Lord, My grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves 
before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. Miracles are everywhere to be found. When priesthood callings are magnified, when faith replaces doubt, when selfless service eliminates selfish striving, the power of God brings to pass His purposes. For whom God calls, God qualifies. May our Heavenly Father ever bless and ever inspire and ever lead all who hold His precious priesthood is my sincere prayer, and I offer it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.